the blockchain offers the promise to essentially eliminate the middleman or eliminate the arbiter because it becomes the arbiter. It is the arbiter, right? The organization just needs to agree upfront on its protocols for decision-making. Welcome to a Bit Cryptic Podcast, where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Today we have Josh Zemmel, Communication Director at DAOStack, that's D-A-O-Stack, a platform that streamlines the process of creating decentralized autonomous organizations, which we'll explain in a little bit. Josh is also a man of many talents. He is an executive coach and leadership consultant, empowering people to live and lead more authentically. He's also been a marketing and growth consultant, leading major growth initiatives for international brands. My name is Jeff Peterson. And I'm Alain Leon, a.k.a. Bitcoin Vango. And Josh, we are super excited to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm very excited as well, Jeff, Alain. Thank you. Good to have you. So let's not mince words. I want to first ask a little bit about you, you know, before before we get into the thick of things. What's what's your background, Josh? Well, like you pointed to, Jeff, you know, one of one of the centerpieces of my career interest so far has been kind of one-to-many communication, which in a certain sense is marketing or communications or whatever you want to call it. I spent a, a long time kind of leading major growth initiatives, including advertising and marketing initiatives for, for major brands. I've also historically had always had one foot in, in art and personal development and, and things that are in a way more personally rooted or at least more rooted also in kind of the one to one or the group. I've always been fascinated with the need or at least the, uh, the synergy created by when there's both a really excellent system for one-to-many communication and a really excellent system for personal communication, which involves a lot of self-awareness and personal development. And I've always been into facilitation and mediation, something I would actually call generally social coherence. The blockchain world talks a lot about coherence at scale, um, and it's really one of the the main orientations of DAOstack is to solve this question of how do we create coherence at scale? But then there's also the social coherence piece. How do we create coherence in ourselves and in our relationships? And it's the combination of these two things that I think is really, really important, actually. I mean, so important that I think that 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 humanity actually needs to up-level in both of these ways to solve some of its major world problems. Uh, we need to become better with each other socially or relationally, and we need to become better at organizing. And I got really excited when I learned about the blockchain's capability in helping organizations organize to, to really help solve this piece of coherence at scale. That's what got me into the blockchain. I mean, I, I've been a you know crypto investor for as long as many of us, um, five or so or more years, six, whatever. But it's really when I got turned on to the blockchain as a tool for coherence at scale for collaboration that I, that's when I really lit up about it. And that's when I, you know, met the people involved in DowStack and, you know, jumped in with both feet. I really think that collaboration is actually the killer app of blockchain. Um, the main application that's, that's most interesting actually. Um, so hopefully we'll get to talk more about that, but that's, that's a little bit about me and, and how I arrived here. Those are, those are the people in the audience who studied anthropology 
uh, also argue that the killer app of the human species has been our ability to collaborate. And that's really the reason why we are the dominant species on the planet. So if you can up level what we have already done better than basically every other species, although we kind of suck at it in certain ways still, then you can really take humanity to the next level because that's what makes us human in the first place. So it could, could be a game changer. Absolute game changer. Absolutely necessary. Our, our, our existing systems have taken us exactly as far as they have, but because of the way we're a truly global civilization in a way we haven't been before, that because of the, the nature of exponential technology where it's, it's actually possible to destroy ourselves based on, you know, a few bad decisions. These sorts of factors make it necessary that we have a means of collaborating in ways that are totally different than we've done before. We, we can no longer afford to pretend that collaborating in ways that are actually fragile, actually fragile to misalignment of incentives, to corruption, to bad influence, to bad acting, to self-deception. We can't keep pretending that, that those kinds of systems are going to exclusively anyway, take us into, you know, the next hundred years successfully. Right. In an, in an age where nuclear pro- proliferation and abject poverty and global warming are still something that we have to worry about, maybe new types of organizations can help solve some of these problems. A lofty goal, but, you know, we got to try. Yeah. So, Josh, it seemed you were already on this path of collaboration, as you said, before Stack and before Bitcoin. You were already in that area. But I want to bring it back uh, a little bit historical and, and point out that historically we've, we've been managed from the top down, correct? Right? That's right. So if you look at monarchies and pretty much all of human history, that, that is the way to go. You know, somebody has the power. Sometimes they were extremely uh, smart or had some gift and just naturally people almost created a cult of personality. And in many ways, we still see that today. And that's how it went. Sometimes they just got handed all the money or the weapons from the people who had it before. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there are many reasons. Now, one, <laughs> one of the, the ways that, that we made incredible progress was sort of to uh, decentralize when we started going into republics and we said we can't have one person making all the decisions that's one one point of failure they can do very bad things how do we get better so we started uh creating republics and we decentralized the power we decentralized decision making and that has led some have said to some of the biggest processes in human history now what you're saying is that Dow stack is going to take that to the next level. And I guess that was the promise of DAOs overall. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about republics and democracies and, and that's certainly a major leap forward from tyranny and monarchy. And at the same time, what we call a democracy is actually a still highly centralized organization that's highly susceptible to corruption and bad influence and governments are still run in a top-down hierarchical fashion, as are corporations, as are militaries. And there's a great reason for that. I mean, hallelujah for the top-down hierarchy. I really mean it. Like, it's, 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 it's been a tremendous institution that has served us so well, and probably in some situations will continue to do so. It's a lot easier, it's very easy to steer a ship when there's only a few people in charge of the ship, right? Like, it just makes sense in order, it, like, how are you going to get large groups of people, really large, to collaborate? 
thousands, tens of thousands, even millions. How do you get all of those people pointed in the same direction and rowing in the same, you know, rowing toward the same shore? Hierarchy is one way. The problem with top-down hierarchy, uh, one main problem anyway, is that it's susceptible to single points of failure that, you know, can act badly. They can deceive themselves. They can be deceived. They can be bought. And the interests of the powerful few are generally misaligned with the interests of the less powerful many. So, you know, the common good is generally thrown out the window. <laughs> Hopefully not, but a lot of times it is actually in situations of top-down hierarchy by the people who have the control. So the idea of decentralization has true decentralization, you know, in the last few years, blockchain-based decentralization, and that's not totally the beginning of it, right? We have so-called teal-level organizations, you know, that have been being talked about for at least 20, maybe arguably 50 years, different types of cooperative structures, right? Distributed leadership. Um, but or really AA. the blockchain, <laughs> really the blockchain has, has what has, has sort of spurred this idea of a true decentralization movement into action. And wait a second, it hasn't scaled. It actually hasn't happened yet. We're several years in and we don't actually have a widespread uptake of decentralization or of a more specific case, which is a decentralized autonomous organization, the DAO, that hasn't really happened at scale. And the reason that hasn't happened is because there hasn't been the technology to support it. There hasn't been the governance systems, the software systems. It turns out that decentralization poses some major challenges of its own. You could imagine one of them is inefficiency, right? Like if you're going to, if you're going to count the voices of everybody, if you're going to distribute decision making, out to the edges throughout an organization, the more people that you include in the possibility of helping to steer the ship, right, is the opposite of the captain and the ship. It's all of the different crew and all the different cooks and let's say all the different passengers are all now weighing in on where to steer the ship. That's a, that's a nightmare. That's a mess. So, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And, uh, with a lot of that. But before we get there, sort of as to the problems that blockchain has had, the governance problems, the scaling problems, yeah. I also wanted to talk a little bit and perhaps put uh, use as a point of reference something that might help our listeners figure out what DAOs and, and, and the DAO stack is all about. And I was thinking of sort of a, you mentioned the word cooperative. Yes. Right. And that, that is a structure that a co-op, right? That, that we're all familiar with, or most of us are familiar with, and, and that's out there. And uh, we do have, at least from our current understanding, what we would call successful co-ops. If you look at uh, the Associated Press, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're run by their, by their affiliates. And there are many others, and we're talking about companies that have in revenue hundreds of billions of dollars. If you take, uh, uh, them all into account worldwide. What are some of the issues that you see perhaps with, with a system like that that we can understand and then we'll get into the DAO and companies that are using a blockchain that, that, that go beyond that? I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Essentially, we have, we have structures right now that seem to work. Can we talk a little bit about that and what, what does blockchain add to that and what are you guys adding to that? Well, right. I mean, it's, it's worth asking why hasn't that scaled fully? Is, is that because why hasn't that become as commonplace as the corporation, for example? Yes. I mean, it is, is it because, um, 
is it because it's it's useful for a perhaps more limited uh, set of cases? Is it is it also the case though that 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 decision making in those kinds of organizations is not actually you know truly decentralized? One of the things the blockchain offers is that the blockchain basically serves as a kind of an arbiter, right? The blockchain offers the promise to essentially eliminate the middleman or eliminate the arbiter because it becomes the arbiter. It is the arbiter, right? The organization just needs to agree upfront on its protocols for decision-making. That means the ways that, um, uh, the ways that the input from different agents throughout the organization are going to be, you know, tallied and turned into output, output being decisions, um, and ways forward. And is that, is that where you, where where you all offer value is that how do you all offer value in that respect do you mean dowstack yes yeah i mean dowstack dowstack definitely approaches the problem of how to resiliently and scalably resiliently means you know non-corruptibly and scalably means efficient right how to resiliently and scalably um collect inputs from a massive number of agents, potentially massive number of eligible agents uh, to participate in decision making and turn it into decisions. Yeah. So DAOstack definitely approaches that approaches that head on, if you will. Just before we get a little too deep, because I, I feel that we're about to take the deep plunge into uh, the nitty gritty. Could you explain a little bit about what a DAO is? Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. So a DAO or DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. And uh, that's a term that that sort of comes from what a lot of people now call the original DAO. Uh, the original DAO uh, was um, associated with Ethereum in its early days and, uh, and tried to basically solve the same question of how do we manage a large, in this case, fund while distributing a decision-making and having no centralized leadership, no boss, no middleman, and in fact, nobody even whose job it was um, to count the votes because even that would give that person a disproportionate amount of power. So what we're looking for in DAOs is proportionate power, right? Everybody actually has power in proportion to their, well, how much power they should have based on how much they're contributing or maybe how much expertise or subject matter credibility they have. So this idea of a decentralized autonomous organization was born. The autonomous part means refers to the fact that the governance protocols, the systems for turning uh, uh, input into actions, are encoded into the blockchain and and into smart contracts, which execute automatically. In fact, smart contracts can actually literally execute many of the of the outputs automatically, like, for example, the transfer of funds. When there's been a, a human decision, a collective human decision to fund a certain project, for example, well, then there's nobody whose job it even needs to be to say, yes, that project is approved here. You may now have your funds because the blockchain just took care of that. The smart contracts just took care of that. That's the autonomous part. So Josh, that's a good point that you're bringing up. Um, our listeners will also, a lot of them anyways, will be aware of the original DAO, which became infamous um, yep. for the hack that they suffered. Yeah. And that hack essentially had to do because of due to the coding in, in one of the contracts that got exploited. Other people have brought up 
other issues regarding the DAO, the fact that it is well known that that piece of code was highlighted as as being problematic and nothing was done before the hack. So although DAOs offer a lot of promise in, in the particular one, uh, this particular one, the DAO, uh, we could see how it went very bad for them. Essentially, they, they, they had tens of millions of dollars uh, taken from from the account it caused the original uh, was it like 500 million <laughs> it was it, it was it was a lot so they had a few hundred million in in there jeff correct that is they had hundreds of millions in in the account and and they got hacked and because of that that caused the original split in the blockchain and that's why today we have you know ethereum classic and ethereum how does dow stack i mean i'm sure you've you've you all have looked at that scenario and what happened there how does dow stack look to mitigate that risk yeah yeah obviously a, a an important question and a really good one so the original dow in many ways was a tremendously you know advanced and evolved experiment the hats off to those pioneers i, I have no real in a way foundational criticism although we can certainly criticize. I mean, we can certainly critique, you know, from, from the standpoint of, of hindsight and what everybody learned from the experience. Yeah. So, so, so the Dow, like you said, was, was drained of funds, not so much by a hack, but by an exploitation. You know, there, there was, there was a, a vulnerability in the code, which is basically like, like the, the way that one of the smart contracts was written. And it's a contract, right? I mean, it's, it, it, it's basically like if you found a loophole, let's call it that. Let's call it a loophole. If you found a loophole in a legal contract and you exploited it and were able to walk out of a bank with tens of millions of dollars, you wouldn't say that you committed a crime. You would say that you exploited a loophole and that's what happened. And like you're pointing to, yes, it was not only that there was a loophole in the code, but also that there was a failure in consensus building systems. So the, the original DAO essentially got it wrong, not only on the level of a code flaw, but they also got it wrong in terms of they didn't have effective governance. They actually didn't have, they didn't have effective governance systems. And we could talk about various ways that that's true. One way is, is that they, their voting was based on token holder voting. It was essentially a plutocracy. So they didn't have a system for being resilient, right? When you have token holder voting, when basically the will of the people is dictated by the people who own the token, then you actually have a fairly fragile system. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? Yes, yes. And I, so I, in preparation for this podcast, I read quite a bit on, on DAO stack. And I know yep. you all have the distinction between owning a token and, and voting and what you call reputation. That's and right. I want to ask you about that. We're, we're going to get there. But just before we get there, I also want to talk a little bit about your base layer, what you call yep. ARC. Yep. And in your base layer, essentially, you have already all these pre-made contracts. The, the way I saw it was just a bunch of already pre-made contacts, contracts that they're almost like Lego pieces. And I think you all even use those words to describe it. So what does that get you? So I, I, I essentially, I, let's say I want to create a co-op from, from my perspective that I, I haven't really heard of, let's say, blockchain or 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 decentralization. I'm talking about if I was somebody new coming into this, but I'm starting to hear about it and I want to create a, a co-op that's autonomous. 
how does that base layer help me? Right. Well, in, in answering that, I would point to the, just back to the fact that this is a really complex problem that we're, that we're trying to solve here, right? How do you coordinate a large group of people? How do you, how do you do that? How, how do you do that in a way that's actually efficient? So it's not too noisy. And it's also resilience so is not corruptible. It's, it, it's a tremendous, it, it, like really the, the team who architected our governance protocols has been considering this problem for a very long time, you know, and they're PhDs um, in physics, you know, theoretical physics and, and then other, you know, people as well who have all been in on this, on this question a lot longer than I have personally, by the way. But when they set out to build, when they set out to originally architect DAO stack, they realized that this is a problem whose solutions, whose best solutions can only evolve over time, right? We don't know all of the different use cases that are going to emerge. I mean, we, we actually can name a lot of them. I, I could name you hundreds of use cases, but I guess my point is we certainly don't know what's best for all of those different use cases. We probably don't even really know what's best for one use case <laughs> when we're talking about coordinating really large groups of people, coordinating crowds without centralized leadership, right? Even that one organization is probably going to find out in a year and two years that that its protocols need to be upgraded and evolved. So the idea behind DAO stack was not so much to build a fixed set of protocols that anybody can just build an organization from, but rather not to try to pre-guess so much what's going to be best and rather build the building blocks. So build the Lego pieces. So to use... Yeah. Let me um, throw in perhaps a, a particular example here because it always helps to use sort of a, a mundane one, right? So, you know, uh, a lot of people live in cities and there's always the, the building association, right? So let's talk about a building association. This is a group of people that are notoriously known for infighting, but yet they have to make decisions sometimes of hundreds or millions of dollars, depending on the building that you are in that affect you personally. I guess what I'm what I'm hearing from you is that you can use DAO stack to sort of try and organize your organization and you're going to use these Legos, these building blocks to 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 go from there. You know they're secure, you know you've had a lot of smart people working on these contracts for a long time. They took things like like the DAO um attack or exploitation into account and you start you start using this system to organize yourselves. What you're saying is that it's going to evolve throughout time. And that perhaps one association figures out a, a governance model that works for them and perhaps another building association who's using the old model, you know, where people are going to meetings and screaming at each other. Right. They'll say, hey, why don't we use what, what, the other, what the other building is doing? And then from there, you could see perhaps how just even in that simple model, this will scale up to maybe a city, maybe even more. But what you're saying is that you essentially don't know how all those use cases and how they could evolve, you are concentrating on, on, on this, on this base layer, on, on this structure, this fundamental structure and giving it a good base and having folks work with that and decide how they're going to put it together. Yeah. I, I think you basically said it. That's right. Yeah. We, we want to let those systems emerge over time and we want to allow all of those organizations as well, by the way, an easy way to feed back their mixes, matches, and modifications of the modules, of the building blocks. You know, that we, we want them to be able to, to build their, what is it, like their Lego spaceship sets, right? 
And then we want them to be able to publish the, uh, the templates, you know, the instructions back into the system for how to build those, those spaceships, um, so that everybody can benefit from it and actually have that be a, a market driven phenomenon. Like the, the most successful organizations are going to be the ones that, um, that have evolved the most successful governance models. So a period of rapid natural selection around governance is exactly what Dow stack is designed to do. Now, by the way, that's not to say that there are not really innovative starting points. So it's not the case that we're just like, here, neighborhood association, take these smart contracts <laughs> and figure out what to do yeah. with them. You know, none of you guys know blockchain coding or whatever, right? We're not just handing them a bunch of building blocks. We're actually handing them choices, right? They can interact with the DAO stack, and this is why it's called a stack. We really designed it for, for accessibility, they can interact with it at any number of different levels. So if they do want to be the sorts of users that are absolutely tinkering, geeking out about the, you know, best possible scalable and resilient governance solutions, mixing and matching, matching, uh, smart contract modules, they totally have that option. But if they're a technophobic seniors community, not to pick on the seniors, there's plenty of, of senior technophiles. <laughs> What's a chain of blocks? Right. <laughs> Why do I need chains for my blocks? Exactly. So if you're one of those people, there's actually other ways to interact with the DAO stack where we've done a lot of the templating for you, basically. So you're saying folks like entrepreneurs or anybody that's trying to collaborate that you don't, you don't have to have necessarily a programmer on your team. You don't, you don't even need to know a lot of the technical aspect of it. There's, there's sort of a user interface that's accessible that they can use to collaborate with decentralization in mind, the particular decentralization that the DAO stack offers without having technical prowess. Well, that yeah, you, you said it exactly. So ARC is the smart contract modular base layer, like you called it, written in Solidity code, the smart contract coding language of the Ethereum blockchain. And then in addition to that, you have ARCJS, which is designed for front-end developers, JavaScript developers, to be able to easily build collaborative applications on top of Arc without being familiar with Solidity, without being familiar with the blockchain. So anybody who's a front-end developer or who has a front-end developer on staff can basically devise and design a custom interface of what's called a decentralized application or DAP, a custom DAP to enable their organization or their type of organization to function really efficiently and resiliently. And then the question is, what are the applications that are going to be built on that stack through ArcJS, right? And ultimately, we envision hundreds or thousands of applications, dApps, forming this so-called application layer within DAO stack, a whole ecosystem made, by the way, interoperable with one another because they're all accessing different shared registries for talent sharing, for the governance modules, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got this whole ecosystem eventually of decentralized applications, one of which is already basically built and is deployed currently on the testnet and it will have a mainnet launch uh, really, really soon. And that one is called Alchemy. And that is a, that is a user interface for participation in and management of DAOs um, using the DAO stack. It's our own native, intuitive front-end application 
with a focus specifically on decentralized budgeting and resource allocation. So there's your, there's your, your HOA meeting precisely. You know, there, there's your, there's your senior center or whatever you have, your technophobes using alchemy to easily collaborate around budgeting, decision making, uh, which projects to fund, how much to value one another's contributions, whatever you have. So somebody would use, let's say an entrepreneur or an HOA would use the alchemy to create their, their DAO. Yeah. And earlier you spoke about one of the problems that the original DAO had with, with voting. And as I mentioned, I noticed that DAO stack divides the voting into two separate aspects, two separate, co- two separate concepts. And, and you get this token, right? So there, there will be DAO stack tokens. People can buy these tokens from, from the market. Yeah. Called Gen, by the way. G- G-E-N, G-E-N. Okay. Yep. Gen. From the market. Gen. The Gen token. They get it from the market. Yep. And the concern is that if you can buy these Gen tokens from the market, then that gives me more power. Right. You also have this, this concept of reputation where you try to limit that power that somebody may gain through buying the gen token on the open market. Can you briefly talk a little bit about that? The way I understood it was that you buy the gen token, but you can't really vote with it, which makes me ask, well, why do I want this gen token to begin with? Right. And then you have that concept of reputation. How does that fit into my, into my HOA or, or, you know, entrepreneurs working on a decentralized company being anything from, let's say, like a decentralized Uber that's not only decentralized with the car sharing, but is now is also decentralized with the actual governance. If somebody wanted to do something like that. That's right. The actual ownership of the organization. Yeah. Where the actual, just to play out your example, where the users of Uber and the drivers of Uber are all actually part of the, and the developers of Uber, they're all actually part of one community. Um, they're all, they're all just contributors in some different way to the economy of Uber. Yeah. So Uber decentralized the taxi cartel, as a lot of us like to refer it right. now, but the governance model was still, still centralized. Of course. Yeah. So when you get into decentralizing the actual governance model, a lot of People are going to be concerned with, well, if I want this decentralized, if one, if somebody wants to take over, they're going to buy a bunch of gen tokens. That's right. What's going on there? Yeah. You're speaking right to, right to the crux of it. By the way, though, with regard to the original DAO, just one thing I would point to also is that the original DAO didn't even have an interface, right? So they were all just trying to build consensus on Slack or whatever applications for chat they were using at the time and then trying to, and, and then trying to actually enter their, consensus making into the blockchain directly. That's just one way that we've come in a way light years from that moment, just in a few short years, is that we're now building out these not only interfaces, not only an interface for DAOs and decentralized budgeting, but we're actually building, again, a sandbox where there can be a proliferation of all of these different interfaces. But like you're speaking to, you then still have this question of how are you going to manage the attention of, of the collective, right? Because if you actually let anybody raise a proposal for anything, and actually even if you let anybody vote on a proposal for everything, it's going to get very, very, you know, very, very noisy very quickly. So it turns out that you need technology, not just for making proposals and tallying votes, 
but also for managing the collective attention. You need ways to determine who can make proposals and how. Uh, you need ways to determine which proposals actually get the attention of the voters, which is sort of like a means of, you call it like voting on what to vote on. And you also need ways to determine who should be involved in each decision, right? According to things like expertise or subject matter credibility or something like that. So that's... Yeah, so how, how, do you, how do you handle that? That's where the gen token comes in. So the gen token is the attention token of the DAO stack, the greater DAO stack ecosystem. It's a little bit an analogy to how Ether paid as gas, or I should say gas paid as Ether, paid in Ether, is the attention token for the Ethereum decentralized world computer. It's basically procures the attention of the mining network, of, of the computing power. In an analogy to that, the gen token procures the attention of, uh, can procure anyway, the attention of the collective. So with Genesis token, you can boost proposals into the collective attention, or at least more likely to be seen in the collective attention by the reputation holders who are the voters. You might also be a reputation holder, by the way. You know, some of the gen holders will be reputation holders, but it's actually two different, it's actually two different currencies. So when you say call attention, you're talking about, let's say somebody in the HOA might want to paint the building or perhaps somebody in this future Uber-like distributed organization may want to bring up the fact that they perhaps we, the company should move into a new city, into a new market. Right. And that's what they would use the token for. Is that? Yeah. I mean, if, if you imagine there's not just two proposals, like you just said, but if you were to imagine there's, you know, there's hundreds of proposals or hundreds of ideas that hundreds of people need to somehow consider or somehow even just consider what to consider. How are they going to know whether it's an important decision enough for the collective to take up of whether to paint I don't know if you said the house or the fence or something, but, or to move the whole operation, like which of these is actually important. And attention is a scarce resource. Um, you know, the attention of the collective is a, is, is, is maybe its scarcest resource, um, in a certain way. And in fact, I, I would say that, that particularly in today's blockchain organizations that have often received a lot of funds through ICOs, token sales, and so forth, attention is the, is the only scarce resource, right? There's, there's hundreds of millions of dollars in some of these organizations in liquid assets. Uh, that's, that's not the limiting factor to their ability to solve world problems, nor is the number of people that want to work on the project, right? There's a lot of enthusiastic contribution. It's their ability to process and make decisions quickly enough. How do you deploy a million dollars, a billion dollars, not in 20 years, but in the course of a couple of months? Okay, so I'm starting to get it. So we have this gen token. Yes. And the, the folks who have that can make proposals. The folks who have that can boost proposals. Boost proposal. Okay. Now, now, and I'll caveat that this is all, that this is all in a way up for grabs in evolution, right? We already talked about how all these systems are upgradable and we're in the territory of kind of all of the suggested starting templates, right? Basically the innovations that we're launching the system with. So it's upgradable over time, but the suggestion is that it doesn't necessarily cost Jen to make a proposal, but it does cost Jen to stake on a proposal and basically 
vote in favor of its being voted on. Basically say, this is something that I believe in. This is something that I believe should at least get the, get the attention of the collective. Makes a lot of sense. As much as I want to keep learning more, and there's so many layers or stacks, if you will, to this project, yes. uh, we are unfortunately limited on time here. So I'll ask, is there anything that we did not cover so far that you think the audience needs to hear about? Oh, I think there's so much stuff, Jeff, but, but. Well, pick your favorite. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I, I would just say that, that the ultimate vision that we're after is not just a, not just single use cases operating independently from one another, but actually a kind of a DAO mesh and a DAO ecosystem, you know, sort of co-evolving together as a, an internet of work. And when you can get ultimately tens or hundreds of millions of people participating in this kind of collaborative economy, um, where no one wields a disproportionate amount of power, everybody's rewarded in proportion to the value they contribute, everybody's incentivized to act in, in alignment with the common good. This is, this is how we can really, really do stuff. This is how we can make a widespread shift from toward more win-win economic structures. And I, I, I feel really, really excited about that. I mean, DAOstack at its essence aims to use crypto economics, the separation of reputation, for a token from re reputation currency from gen token, the various uh, decision-making protocols. It attempts to use, endeavors to use crypto economics and other different technologies to create a kind of micro incentive environment that when you add up all of the different moments, all the different micro incentives and multiply that across thousands of individuals and millions of moments, what you get is a macroeconomic climate that is more resilient and more efficient and actually grows stronger. All the organizations in it actually grow stronger as they, as, as they scale upward. So I feel really, really grateful to be a part of, of the movement. Really. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's actually really essential to the future of our, of our human ecosystem. Grand goals. I love it. Well, I hope for both you guys and for everyone who believes in this, that your project is a huge success. So I know you guys have a, have a token sale and with the caveat that this podcast does not offer financial advice or investment advice. Could you tell us the details about that? Yeah, we do have a token sale. It's right around the corner. Um, we have our token presale coming up this Monday evening, May 1st, or excuse me, this Monday evening, April 30th, or Tuesday morning, uh, May 1st, depending on where you are in the world. And then we have our main token sale about a week after that. So there are, you know, if, if you're interested in, people are interested in, in becoming a holder of, of gen. uh, of the, the gen token. Um, yeah, that, that is available and you can find out about that on our, on our website. And by the way, only on our website, there are, my goodness, so many phishing and scam sites out there. So, you know, please be careful. Uh, we're getting a lot of attention on our token sale right now. And I feel very grateful for that, but it's also brought a, a, a lot of, uh, improprietous intention, attention as well. So the, the URL is dowstack.io. That's D-A-O stack.io. That's where you can find more information. So again, just so you guys don't mess that up because of all the fake websites I've, I've been in with other ice uh, token generation events where I've seen the same thing. There's so many fake websites out there. So please be careful. DAO stack.io and do not click on any other website. And if you see something other than that URL, things are not going to be so great for you. So please be careful. And thank you so much, Josh, for coming on. I wish we had more time because there really are so many things to talk about. Unfortunately, I think you guys have, it's a good thing though. It shows how deep and, and, 
and well thought out your project is that there, we could just keep going and going. Maybe we'll have to have you on for another podcast, but uh, yeah, thanks. You, thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Thank you so much for having me, both of you guys. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I did as well. We'll see you around, Josh. Bye now. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic podcast. The podcast is hosted by Rob Peterson, Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Website created by Coco Lu and Kevin Van, and show notes and articles made by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and Google Play. We're a new show, so the reviews really help us out a ton. You can also find us on Twitter at Keep It Cryptic. That's K-E-E-P-I-T-C-R-Y-P-T-I-C. You can also find us on Medium or Steam it at a bit cryptic, like the show name. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep it cryptic.